We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. I am Megan Weiskup with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors podcast. I don't know about you, but winter is certainly here. And anytime I think about winter, I think about... Looking back and reflecting on what I've done this past year for hunting, um, the seasons are about to close, but it's always kind of that reflective New Year's time period. And we are so excited to, to have folks on this podcast that can share more discussions and, and more stories and, and inform us. And um, we are so excited today to have Amy with us who's going who's gonna to share us some stories and, and insight. And I'm going to let Tana kind of welcome her. But for those of you who have listened to the podcast, you've heard some of the, the hunting expeditions and, and trips that Megan, Julia, Tana, and I have gone on and, and the hysterical situations we found ourselves in. But we're excited to, or to invite another fellow hunter onto the podcast. And, and with that, I'm going to turn it over to Tana to introduce our, our guest. Thanks, Rach. I am so excited. Um, we've got Amy Bowsman on with us today. Amy is an extremely capable outdoors woman. We actually met at a wilderness clinic, which is a local group here in Kansas aimed at getting women outdoors. To be completely honest, I just kind of fell in love with her. She's got an immense passion for the outdoors and uh, she's so driven. She is so engaged the outdoors. So she's been wonderful. I recently had the honor of serving as her mentor for an antlerless deer hunt. Uh, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today, Amy. If you would just go ahead and tell us a little bit about you and what you do for a living, maybe your experience in the outdoors. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Tana, for such a sweet and complimentary intro. Let's see. Work-wise, I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner at the Atma Clinic here in Lawrence, Kansas, and a lot of my work focuses around biologically intended nutrition. So while we're talking about Huntley, I'm, I'm trying to transition people from more of a standard American processed diet to what we were intended for as hunter gatherers, as far as macronutrients goes from healthy fats to animal based protein and vegetable based carbohydrates. And it's incredible the impact that that shift can have on an individual's health. Uh, getting back to, you know, we're, we're about 90% or more the same cellularly as our hunter-gatherer ancestors were. Foraging wild plants has been a part of my background for a while, probably 15 to 20 years now. And I wanted to hunt for as long as I foraged, if not longer. So this is an exciting new development in my outdoors journey within the last year. Outside of my profession, I'm a single mom to two awesome kids. Henny is seven and Salem is almost 13. 
I have homeschooled their whole life. So I've got work and homeschooling and raising kids going on, which is good. We've, we've hit our stride and fun times for the most part over here. Outdoors background, I grew up hiking and fishing and camping with my dad. He's a big uh, conservation guy and on the Missouri side. So I grew up, you know, more conservation minded. As, as far as outdoor stuff goes. Uh, we took a lot of road trips and, and camped and hiked and fished and explored all kinds of areas, mostly out west. We did a couple of Ontario, Canada trips, walleye fishing. We've done some frog gigging, which was like, I'd say the next step from fishing to hunting, you know, definitely felt like more intentional skill was involved going out at night using lights, using a boat and frog gigs. And it was a lot of fun, very exciting for me. So yeah, hunting is just within the last August, I guess, when we met on that uh, deaf clinic through wilderness. It's been awesome. I'm excited to talk more about my hunting journey with you guys this morning. Well, Amy, you've had a really productive uh, first year as a hunter. You've really gone out and um, made it your own, made it your own experience and really challenged yourself. And uh, that's super cool. I'm curious, and I'm going to try not to hog you today because like I said, I just think you're so cool. So I want to talk to you all the time, but um, you know, with R3, our recruitment retention reactivation efforts, we've really started to look at wild game and food as being the introduction for people into hunting, that maybe that's more of a motivator for our modern audiences than, yeah. you know, just the actual quote unquote sport. So would you say that was the case for you that food was a real motivator to get into hunting or was there additional, was there an additional motivator? So um, it's, it's always been about nourishment and now being a single mom and doing the nutritional therapy work that I do and seeing more and more how much more concentrated wild nutrition is as opposed to you know, our factory farmed animals or even cultivated plants. Our wild versions of those foods are so much healthier for us. And again, closer to what we're intended for. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all about nutrition for me. I had an awesome shooting lesson with John Francis out of Kansas City. And we were talking about this aspect, you know, he, and I was telling him, I read a lot and I hear these stories a lot about hunters saying that the, the experience of seeking out game is just as fulfilling to them as getting game. And I said, you know, I get that. I, I like being outdoors, but I already spend a lot of time outdoors. I, I do fish as often as I can. I do hike as often as I can. I go backpacking and camping quite a bit throughout the year. So I'm fulfilled, you know, with the nature aspect for the most part. But for me, the hunt really is about nourishment. You know, if I come home empty-handed, I'm, I'm going to be disappointed. And I know a lot of hunters aren't oriented that way, but hunting has been a lot more time and energy consuming than I thought it would be, you know, going into it blind, totally naive, I thought, well, this is going to be easy. I just got to go out and shoot something, right? And then I've got food. Well, there's actually a lot more involved than that, uh, amazingly, right? If I if I put all that effort in, I do want to come home to put some nourishment on the table for me and my kids. Uh, I do love the experience, you know, especially being able to connect with other women and other hunters and get into this community. So it is more than just nourishment. That is 
the biggest motivating factor for me behind the hunt. Amy, I'm going to have to get on the Tana bandwagon on this. <laughs> like just in your 30 second minute and a half introduction, I'm like, please tell me more. This is awesome. And isn't she so cool? And as a, as a fellow newbie hunter, I think this might be the first time I've actually called myself a hunter. Mm-hmm. It's like a mind block in my head. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. I mean, you are the epitome of, of what, what I as a fellow hunter believe and see. At the end of the day, I honestly, I'm going to be perfectly frank. If I don't get anything, I'm completely okay with it. I I just enjoy spending that time out there. And it, Megan can attest, we we like chisel little bits in and it's not uncommon if we do get four hours to go goose hunt. It's not uncommon that we take a Zoom call in our uh, pop-up line. So it's so <laughs> exciting to hear that, that you're able to not only integrate you know, being outdoors and, and, and natural stuff that you're also like truly that passion of, of the, the nutrition and, and that is coming through and, and that you've seen that connection with, with wild game. We, we talk it a lot, but you're, you're a testament to it. This is your world and, and you agree. So it's, it's sometimes nice to just have that, Hey, you were right. You know, fish are very healthy and, and deer is very healthy. And, and there is something satisfying about putting that time in to, to harvesting your own. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. So, so you guys have both mentioned, obviously this was an introductory hunt. Can you tell us a little bit more and then also about the, the organization you guys went through to kind of partner up and meet each other and, and get started on that journey? Well, like I mentioned, we met through a local group in Kansas called Wilderness. Um, if you guys don't know about the Wilderness group, you can check them out. They're in the northeast corner of Kansas, so they do events on the Kansas or Missouri side. And it's just a group of women that came together and decided that um, they wanted to see more women and more diverse women represented in the outdoors. And so they're basically practice what they preach and uh, they put all kinds of awesome events together. So I'd encourage you to go check them out at wilderness.org. But that's where Amy and I met for the first time is for a dove hunt. So I came out to serve as a mentor and uh, Amy and I kind of connected through that. So when uh, Amy expressed interest in hunting deer, I encouraged her to sign up for a program we have in Kansas called Special Hunts, where hunting land is set aside specifically for novice hunters, disabled hunters, youth, um, to be able to have that experience of like hunting some managed areas in a little more of a controlled setting than just general public land. So um, unfortunately she did not draw a special hunt. I was just shocked, but with COVID, um, we've had a lot of people apply for special hunts this year. But some special hunts do tend to fall through, whether people fill their tags earlier than they expected or they backed out because of COVID-related reasons. Um, Amy and I were able to snag a hunt last minute. So um, yeah, from there, we really just kind of linked up and I asked her if she was interested and <laughs> she was. I don't know, Amy, from there, what was that process like from you after I told you about that hunt opportunity? I was ecstatic. You know, I was pretty bummed when I, I didn't get drawn for the special hunt and I did everything that I possibly could to be able to, to have the full four days out there. We didn't need, thankfully, but, (laughs) you know, going back to what Rachel mentioned about the experience being outdoors is as, as fulfilling for her as, as the hunt and bringing something home um, to put on the table. 
for me being a single mom and homeschooling and having these two kids and working, I get two days a week without my kids. So prior, my, my time priority is pretty major, pretty limited how I spend that time. So I was able to hustle and boogie last minute, finding out about that hunt and, and find care for my kids and be able to get out there. Um, it was a credible and incredible experience. It was nice to be able to have this longer timeline that I didn't have to be so scrambled and tight on time, you know, for the sake of my kids to try to bring home food. You know, they, they've gone out with me a couple times on like squirrel and rabbit hunts and they're super into it, but with, with something bigger like deer or a mentored hunt, like Tana took me on for this deer at Benedictine Bottoms, which was a beautiful place, in my opinion, to, to hunt not too far from my home base. You know, it, it was good to have that independent time. And now I feel like I could go and, you know, take my kids on a mentored deer hunt. I've had two of my close female friends find out about my mentor deer hunt and say, oh my gosh, that's something I've always wanted to do. Will you take me out? You know, so in the fall, I've got two women that I'm going to take out on mentored hunts. And it's, it's awesome. It's so amazing. This community through the wildlife department and through wilderness and other organizations that I've had contact with now since August, how generous everyone is. I mean, I just, am blown away by the generosity of different hunters willing to share skills, willing to share tools, supplies, um, information, time. It's like, it's just been amazing. And now I feel like I'm getting to a place where I can start giving that back to some people in my community. And that's super satisfying. It's, it's starting to come full circle. I still have a ton to learn but there are some things I can pass on. So Amy, that's one of the reasons you're so wonderful to work with is that I know anything that we share with you or teach you, um, you're going to turn right around and teach somebody else, teach your kids, teach a friend, um, share your experience. So um, that makes that all the more rewarding for us to get to interact with you because you just help spread that network. Speaking of generosity, we would be remiss not to mention Kirk Thompson um, Kirk is the manager for that Benedictine Bottoms area, and he has done a phenomenal job creating a beautiful landscape, just abundant wildlife. So when Amy was awarded this hunt, there was a lot of texts back and forth of like, oh my gosh, you got this hunt. Okay, that's wonderful. What do you need? Do you have a firearm? Do you have all the proper camo? Um, do you understand the regulations? Just a little bit of that back and forth to make sure we were on the same page. And then we also reached out to Kirk to try to get a lay of the land. Um, Kirk was an incredible resource because he understood that I wasn't from the area and um, we were kind of on a tight timeline um, within just like three or four days that we were able to go out there and hunt. So it made scouting a little bit difficult. So Kirk was so generous and more than willing to share information with us about where he had seen deer moving recently and what he thought might make for a successful hunt. I would encourage anybody in a program like this, if you have connections in the area or if you can reach out to potentially a biologist, public lands manager, game warden in the area, uh, Kirk was a huge help and really did make all the difference for Amy and I in planning a successful hunt. No, that's awesome. And and I'll finally get to jump in here now. Uh, one of the cool things when you started talking that I, I thought that was kind of neat as well, and, and you might not know Amy since um, 
this is the first time you're talking with the group, but uh, we all really had kind of a similar background um, getting started in the outdoors. I mean, all of us that are on this podcast uh, routinely um, didn't start out hunting. Um, we grew up, you know, doing stuff outdoors, like you said, the hiking, the camping, fishing. Um, for me, it was fishing was a big part of of my life growing up. My my father and grandfather uh, were were huge into fishing, so it was traveling to Arkansas to fish, traveling traveling to to Minnesota to fish for walleye and stuff like that. So um, I kind of had that same um, background growing up and didn't get engaged into to hunting until I got through college and, and actually started working for the agency and, and kind of started meeting some support folks that I could rely on and felt comfortable with to, to get me out there um, doing it. Um, and one of the other things, I don't know, uh, definitely Rachel and Tana, if you've seen this too, but you know, they really say there's kind of like the five stages of a, a hunter. And one of the things that I've seen, um, especially it seems with, you know, females and then also with um, adults getting engaged in hunting versus starting out um, at a much younger age, that we seem to kind of quickly fly through those stages. You know, there was the excitement of starting out and just getting your first harvest. For me, you know, once I got my first harvest, I was really pretty much all ready to kind of do like what Rachel said, just kind of sit back, relax, enjoy the outdoors and invite others to go out with me and start mentoring right away. I didn't need to go through that trophy stage where I needed to go out and, and hunt for the biggest deer I could find or the biggest turkey I could find. So for me, I kind of flew through those stages too. Like it sounds like you are Amy um, and, and ready to, to get friends and family out there um, and out there with you and, and, and enjoy their first harvest with them. So um, that's what's most exciting to me is just getting out there and, and seeing someone else um, have some of those experiences. And, and that's what I want to dive into, the, the emotions that you feel as you're going through um, your first hunt and especially your first harvest. Um, a lot of folks that haven't experienced hunting yet don't know. It's hard to explain what those emotions are that you go through. Could you elaborate a little bit on your emotions from, you know, for the first time you took that shot to, to going up and recovering your harvest? And then especially, um, you know, with the food and the nutrition being such an important part, that process of, of then getting your, um, your deer processed and, and onto the table for your family. It's so memorable. I mean, it, it happened not that long ago, but it's burned into my brain and I think it's going to stay there for a while. Uh, technically, the first thing I, I've ever shot for nourishment was dove. And that was at that wilderness clinic that Tiana mentioned a bit ago. And, you know, every time I've gone out on a hunt, my first three, my only three so far have been D's, doves, ducks, and deer. So <laughs> um, each each time I've felt surprisingly calm and grounded and solid. You know, it, it really is this cellular connection. And when I go back to ancestral health and what we're intended for, this is one of them. You know, nourishment is a thing, movement from an ancestral perspective, how we move our bodies, how often, that's a thing. Connection to community, you know, we, we couldn't have survived as hunter-gatherers without our tribe. Um, so not being isolated and having this sense of community and then access to nature. You know, these are all things that from an ancestral health perspective we're intended for. So although going out for this deer was exciting and it fueled me in a new way and it's something that I'm very passionate about, I felt really solid. You know, and when I saw the deer that I took, I knew it was the one. Uh, when I took the safety off, it perked up and looked right at me and I was staring at it through my scope, you know, and I, I knew I had to take the shot before it spooked and ran. 
and I did it. And it, you know, I just was surprised actually with how steady I felt and it was a clean shot. Um, it didn't fall immediately. It, it ran a bit and Tana is an amazing tracker. She won't admit it. She's very humble, but she is incredible. I shot, I shot a dove when she was mentoring me at the dove clinic that was what, like 50 yards out, which is, and it fell in to some really tall, spiky kind of grasses, a couple, probably a couple feet into the grass. I couldn't find it. I mean, dove down the, you know, dried grass looks just like dried grass and she found it. And same with the deer, you know, there wasn't a bloodshot where, where I made contact with this deer. Um, there, there were so many, it was so heavily populated with deer that there were so many tracks in the, in the mud that we couldn't make out which one was from the deer I shot. And she found the first tiny splatter of blood in a place that I wouldn't have looked. Um, so her instincts are highly attuned with that. I found the next kind of blood splotch and, and then we followed it and marked it throughout the trail. And then she found it. She saw that white belly and, and he was a dead deer pretty, pretty quick. Thankfully there wasn't a lot of suffering, um, but just seeing it, my heart kind of stopped, you know, and I felt this immense gratitude and gratitude for Tana for being there, for tracking it. I mean, I, I really couldn't have done it without her, you know, grateful for this animal. And every time I eat some of that deer, I remember that whole day, you know, I remember finding it. Some, some image from that couple of days that we went out flashes through my mind and I have that connection. I, I tell my meat eater friends and my meat eater clients that I feel strongly that to be an ethical, responsible meat eater, you should take an animal's life at least once. I used to have a farm when I was married, raised dairy goats, and we would harvest the bucklings in the fall for meat. And people would often come out and help with the harvest so they could have this experience, have this connection to really understanding what does it take to get animal-based protein and animal-based fat onto your plate. And I, I do feel that we have an ethical responsibility to know what that connection is about. It's, it's not easy taking an animal's life, but if you're gonna eat it, you gotta know what goes into the whole process. Processing the deer goes, we were able to haul it back to Tana's parents' garage, who also are owed a lot of uh, gratitude. I've not been able to meet them directly, but uh, if they're listening in, then thank you so much for the use of your garage. It was incredibly helpful. Uh, Tana and a friend of mine and I processed that deer. And again, a much longer process than I anticipated. Um, and that was a full day right there, processing that deer, breaking it down, getting it into the right cuts. And I, I saved as much as I could organ-wise. So I've already consumed the heart, uh, the kidneys. I haven't done the tongue yet, but I've made the liver into dehydrated bacon liver crisp. Um, so I, I did try to utilize as much of the animal as I could. Um, and it's, you know, it's stuck with me. It's awesome. I want, I want more, you know, I want to get my freezer full and I know it deep freezes in my near future because I can't get enough of this. <laughs> Well, Amy, one of the coolest things about you is um, from the perspective of a new hunter or someone who might be interested in hunting, 
uh, I think he really challenged the stereotype of a hunter just being out there um, looking for trophies and being a heartless killer. Um, you know, there are lots of different hunters and it takes all kinds of kinds to make up an ecosystem, of course. You are really out there and you're being very mindful and very, very ethical. Though that stereotype does exist, I think you'll find, and you probably have found already, that most of the hunters you encounter have a very deep connection to the game that they're harvesting and are very mindful about their harvest. One of the funny things about Amy is I, as a mentor, struggled and completely forgot to mention to her that, you know, when you're starting out, it seems like you take the shot at the animal and that's it, the hunt's over. And really that's when it just begins mm -hmm. because you take the shot, you're pretty sure you know where you hit it, but you're not completely sure until you get up on it. You might have to blood trail it. And that moment is just so heart pounding. And Amy was phenomenal. I mean, when she decided to take her shot, it was like she said she knew that was her deer. She nudged me. She saw it before I did. And it's like, Tana, this is the one. And it's like, okay, girl, go for it. You got this. Um, and she was just so calm and steady. And you know, I'm shaking like a leaf sitting next to her with the binoculars. <laughs> but um, she really kept her cool and did a wonderful job. But yeah, it was that moment of after we shot, it was like, now what? And I told her, it's like, we just have to wait and um, this is the hard part is waiting and making sure that that deer goes down and that we can go find it and that we're not um, doing anything to bump it or push it further. So, and luckily Amy took an incredible shot. The deer went down nearby, died fairly quickly. So we're grateful for that. And then Amy was actually disappointed because she took such a phenomenal ethical shot that she actually did get the deer in the heart. And um, it was just so funny because any, anyone else would be so excited to have taken that shot. And Amy was slightly sad because she had damaged a little bit of the heart, which she was really looking forward to eating. So she did too. When we went dove hunting, she was dropping doves with a shotgun at like 50 yards. I didn't even think that was possible. Oh. <laughs> like, Who does this? Power to her. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we weren't, weren't hitting anything close with this far away one. She was taking them down hard. To the skeet field she goes. <laughs> I know. You sharing that that last bit of the story, the waiting period um, after you take the shot and waiting for the animal to, you know, make its peace and go down. I forgot that in that that calm, steady feeling I, I had when I took the shot that it also felt very surreal. You know, it had been such a long time coming. I turned and told you, I think I missed it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think I made the shot. There's no way this is actually happening. You know, it, it really 20 years in the making and, and over those 20 years, various boyfriends and partners and at one time a husband, you know, trying to get them to do their hunter safety and, and go hunting for us, you know, it felt, the hunting felt so inaccessible as a woman. It, it, especially 20 years ago was so male dominated. It was intimidating. I had no idea where to start, how to start this process. And so, you know, such a long time coming that after I took the shot, I remember going, we're not going to find that deer because I didn't shoot it, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was satisfying even waiting, you know, even trying to find tracks and, and blood marks. That was a really neat part of the process. And you're right. That is kind of when the hunt begins, um, just tracking it down. Amy, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. I, I kind of want to dive into this, 
this concept of, of, of you being able to harvest for yourself and, and, and to provide for your family. You kind of mentioned that you were relying on others and clearly didn't come through. And so now you've finally gotten to the point where you could do it yourself. Um, how has that affected you in, in your family? I I could certainly come up with some buzzwords, but I want to, I want to hear from you. Like what has that, uh, felt like for you? What, what is, I don't know. I'm going to awkwardly just open end that question yeah. of nothingness and, and say, totally how is it? it? Yeah. And how is it, uh, how has it affected you to, to say that you can do this now? You know, I, I'm totally following you. I, I know what your question is and where you're coming from. And it is so liberating. You know, I feel free empowered is a word, but liberated and free is more appropriate for me and what I'm experiencing through this process. Um, you know, it's extremely codependent of me to try to get partners over the years to do the hunting for us. Like I said, part of that was just the, the sense of overwhelm and inaccessibility as a woman to that world. And wilderness is really, that wilderness group is really what made it possible for me. Uh, to be able to go out on a mentored hunt where I don't have to have a gun. I don't have to have hunter safety because all I needed was my apprentice license at that time to go out with a mentor, to be given the steps, the process of what you need to do, what you need to bring, what to prepare for. And it was fun. These women are like down to earth. It's just a a really friendly, open community. And that's what made it possible for me, you know, and I meet an amazing woman like Tana, who you know, wants to get out there and and help. And it's just been so freeing to finally be able to do it and to know that I'm that much closer to being able to go confidently out into the field by myself without a mentor, although that is fun. It is nice to go out with another person. I think that's what I'll continue to do. But it's just, it's such a long time coming that now that it's here, it's just... That's great. And other women are, are, and men, you know, in my life are totally looking up to it, you know, and inspired. And it's just a really fulfilling, satisfying feeling. We talk a lot about that, that need for social support and, and you've, you've found your, your niche, your people, your connection with, with the wilderness program, which is awesome to hear. Um, And then it, it, in your talk about kind of mentoring others, you've clearly identified that that you want more people in your in your current space to accept hunting as a whole and and to to share that bond that experience. So it's it's so cool to see. We uh, Megan, Tana, Julia, and I talk about this. Um, I don't know at nauseum sometimes. Like we need this support, we need this social structure. Um, it's not something the department can provide a lot of times, so we rely a lot on on other outside programs. And and it's cool to to finally to hear that that has come alive and and is working. And yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's it's just it's nice, but most of us have have kids um, or at least have have been around young people so has your hunting experience kind of translated into to your your two kids or um, you kind of mentioned mentoring them in the future or 
and you had mentioned that you do some squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting and they've gone with you. So just anything else you want to share on, on that line? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's really important aspect of this experience for me. Um, and I've taken my son on a mentored dove hunt through the Missouri department of conservation. And also he's done a mentored pheasant hunt through pheasants forever in Kansas. And, you know, he's, he's got the same bug. I mean, he's 12, he's inspired. He, it's really satisfying to him to be able to provide nourishment, you know, especially at this age, he's in a big kind of transition time going into his teenage years. Um, and my daughter is my mini me. She looks up to me quite a bit. And so I, I do, feel again just a great sense of responsibility and also gratitude that I get to share this experience with them and another female you know and my daughter that she wants to get out there you know they each want their own gun they want to they she wants to shoot you know she wants to bring home food so um the three of us have gone out on a squirrel hunt before. Didn't, didn't see a dang squirrel. If you can imagine that <laughs> hours in the woods, no squirrels. So we just did target practice on some hedge apples in an or Osage orange tree. And, you know, it, it made the day we shot some clays and it was still a great experience, but getting them out and sharing this with them is important to me to pass this kind of self-sufficiency practice on to them and again connecting with nourishment they know what it takes to take an animal's life they've been around this they've watched me butcher ducks and doves at our kitchen sink you know we've raised quail before and they've helped process those and they eat the organs they eat them the food that I cook and put on the table and they're a part of that full circle process as well and I think that the earlier we can demystify these aspects of um, sustainable human sustainability, you know, eating animals, that's, that's a part of what we're intended for. And the more that we can demystify what goes into that process of eating an animal and eating an animal for our own nourishment is really important to me. Amy, I'm sure your kids just think you are the coolest person ever, especially when you came home with a deer. I can't even imagine what your son must have thought. Um, and I also love that you take advantage of so many different groups. I think, um, you know, we, we tend to be loyalists and we get involved with a group and we're like, okay, this is my group. I'm going to stay with this group. But you've really taken advantage of a lot of outdoor resources, be it through wilderness or you mentioned Pheasants Forever events, um, events over the border on the Missouri side. And that's wonderful. What advice do you have for other women that are interested in learning to hunt? And especially those um, that were in a similar situation as you where their close friends and family didn't necessarily hunt. How would you suggest they go about getting involved in these events or uh, building up a network like you have? For sure. You know, once you get your foot in the door with one group, it, it, the world just opens up, you know, and I think that I found wilderness on a whim. I have gone years without having a mentor or finding my way into the world of hunting. And I think I did some random search on, on Facebook or Google that was, you know, women's hunting group 
Kansas, you know, and, and I found them and that was my way in. And it has connected me to a lot of different organizations and pretty limited on my social media engagement right now. I'm on Instagram and Facebook maybe once a week and I, it's just a check messages. So I'm on, pretty much on and off. If that were different, you know, there are a lot of groups that are geared at women hunters in different regions um, on Facebook, especially to connect with. But I think the easiest and most straightforward thing to do is to call your local conservation department or your local wildlife department and say, you know, I'm a female. I want to learn how to hunt. Where do I start? And you're somebody's going to get you to the right place, whether it's matched up with a mentor or a hunter safety education class or, you know, a website or link or something. You're just by calling your wildlife or conservation department, you're going to get that ball rolling. You're going to get started because now more than ever, there are an abundance of resources for women getting started in hunting. Um, just like, you know, meeting you, Tana, you've been able to direct me to another mentor in my region that is going to take me out on a turkey hunt, maybe a goose hunt, you know, and so there's just so many resources. It's just making that, taking that first step um, is, is what it takes in my experience to get started. Now you're so spot on, um, definitely as, as us that work as professionals in this field and, and navigating, getting more folks out there and helping to break down the barriers. You know, the, that main barrier that comes up a lot of times is, is taking that initiative to ask for help or to seek out help. And there is, like you mentioned, there's a whole community out there, multiple communities out there that are, are ready to embrace you. And it's and it's really just getting that conversation started on both sides. I mean, even folks that are are interested in taking people out, they're afraid to, to ask someone new to go. So um, you're spot on with um, taking that first step and, and doing that search and, and reaching out because there's definitely a lot of folks out there that are, are more than willing um, to help. It's just getting that conversation started is, is so crucial. For sure, for uh, sure. And definitely wanted to, to join in and I'll laugh with you in regarding to, to looking for those pesky squirrels. I agree. Every time you go out to actually hunt them, you can never find them. But by God, if you're out there deer hunting or turkey hunting, they're the first thing to rat you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like they That's all so know true. whatever species you're hunting knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of segueing into the food. So it, it's so cool with your background. I mean, you totally get it um, as as. Um, being the motivator uh, for you food and, and it relates totally to your job um, where a lot of us uh, I think we would die to have that knowledge and skills that you have in regards to for me I guess I can I can exercise six times a week and do work as hard as I can but that nutrition part is probably the hardest thing for me to to get over that hump and um, you having that in-depth knowledge and, and understanding the, the micros and macros and all that fun stuff that I have no idea how to calculate and by God I'm Sorry, I'm never going to give up pasta. I can't do that. <laughs> but it's just so cool. So can we know that it relates to your job and you're definitely mindful around eating. But um, can you go a little bit more into that? And then um, uh, I'm assuming your family does enjoy eating um, the wild game you prepare. And maybe what's that favorite dish that you've cooked so far? Oh, for sure. That is such a loaded question. So yes, I know some of these things because of my nutritional therapy training and background, but I got into nutritional therapy because I went to college on a reservation in South Dakota and could very clearly see the massive rates of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes on the reservation 
being a product of these government issued, highly processed food commodities. And that's what sparked me. I, same weekend I graduated with an art degree, I discovered rose hips and started foraging rose hips in the Missouri woods when I moved back home and got into foraging, got into organic farming, got really into seeing these processed foods made diseases, lifestyle diseases, basically. Um, so my, my interest in nutrition started long before I did my formal training to do this work. Yeah, my, my kids are into it. Uh, it's something I love to share with them. And yeah, I've made a lot of different creative dishes. So being into wild game before I ever hunted, you know, I would do trades. You can't sell wild game, unfortunately, but I did have a couple friends that were hunters years ago and I would trade, you know, trade my services or my goods for some wild goose, you know, if they had extra. So I'd, I've made a lot of wild meat dishes over the years you know, teriyaki duck breasts and butterflied herbed buttered pheasant and, you know, all, all kinds of yummy things. But I do think my favorite so far is the most basic thing I could possibly do. And that was with the deer heart. Um, it was so satisfying. Tana got a kick out of how bummed out I was that I took such a clean shot. I, I shot the deer right through the heart. You know, she said, you got it exactly where I told you to get it. And whether that was beginner's luck or, or a close shot or what, I don't know, but I, I did shoot it straight through the heart and it blew the backside of the heart out, which really bummed me out because I wanted that heart for nourishment. You know, I was, I love heart. I've eaten beef heart many times, chicken heart. I, at the Dove Clinic, I actually went around and collected everybody's Dove hearts, rolled them in some olive oil and salt and pepper, put them on skewers and charred them over an open flame and took this skewer around and encouraged women like take a heart, try it. It's amazing. And most of them did. And most of them were impressed. But with what the half of the heart I could salvage from my deer, you know, all I did was melt some duck fat and pour the duck fat on it, sprinkled a good amount of salt, sea salt on and put it on a grill with some um, wood briquettes. So it got nice smoky kind of flavor. And that was just so satisfying. You know, it's, it's just the deepest nutrition possible. So the whole animal aspect, the nose to tail concept of eating animals is incredibly important to me. I'm actually teaching a class in a couple of months at our local co-op here in Lawrence about nose to tail cookery. And again, trying to demystify this aspect that people have an ew factor with organs, you know, but that would have been the prized piece by our ancestors. They knew how, how much nutrition is packed into just that little bit of food and um, to let that go to waste is a real shame. And actually at every every group hunt I've been to, like the pheasant hunt that my son went to, I was collecting the gizzards and the hearts and cleaning everything at their, you know, their, their processing station. And people are looking at me like I'm a little crazy, you know, and I'm like, you're the crazy ones. You're missing out on some really tasty, deep nutrition. So I'd, I'd say that the preparation, really basic preparation of that venison heart has been 
my favorite out of all the fancy dishes I've made and crazy flavor combinations I've come up with that has been the best by far. I'm so glad to hear that and I'm glad you were able to salvage some. It really was. I got a kick out of how upset you were to have made a perfect (laughs) shot basically. (laughs) Um, Well, Amy, you know, I've said it once and I'll say it a million times over. You are just so impressive and I'm so thrilled that you've joined the hunting community I have no doubt that you will be extremely successful both as a hunter and as a mentor to uh, to other women like you, other friends, and of course your family as well. You're two wonderful kids. So I can't tell you how much we appreciate you jumping on. And of course, big shout out again to Wilderness at wilderness.org for bringing us together. I'll be forever thankful for them for uh, being matchmaker for us. Yeah, starting our domance. That's right. That's what we call it is domance. <laughs> No, totally love that and, and definitely want to echo uh, Tana's um, excitement and, and appreciation for you joining us today. It's been a real joy talking to you and and I know that I've jotted down. I, I think we definitely need to have Amy back. I, I'm seeing a frog gigging episode that really caught my attention at the beginning and, and it's such a it's a cool fun way and I think you're, you're spot on. It's a great segue from getting into from fishing into hunting. Um, to kind of start that experience. And, and I th- we'd love to have you back and, and do another episode for sure. Oh, yeah. Ladies, thanks so much for having me. It's been an honor and I'd love to come back. And it's just awesome that this resource exists, you know, uh, connecting women with hunting and making this more accessible. Uh, I think it's great to share these stories. So thank you all for existing and for doing this. So again, to echo everyone else, um, Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the She Goes Outdoors podcast. Um, As a reminder, our outdoor cooking subscription box is currently available. Uh, You can find it at sgooutdoors.com. Make sure to visit us on Facebook and Instagram. Share your pictures connect we uh we just really enjoy talking with visiting with y'all so um check the website more details again thank you for joining us and we will see you outdoors Mm -hmm.